Yeah, I don't know why that's a big of a surprise. Like, kids have brought out pictures of that. Anyway, welcome to the TDWG Podcast. My name is Paul Davidson. And my name is Scott Norman. And today we'll be putting the richest man in Babylon against Dave Ramsey in a financial advice battle royale. So, here's the deal, is I and uh, Paul came into this kind of from different perspectives. I honestly had never heard about the richest man in Babylon until interacting with him, and uh, he obviously had heard about Dave Ramsey, because we use the curriculum here at, at school. But I never dove into actually reading Dave Ramsey until Mr. Norman just kept on saying, Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey. I was <laughs> like, all right, I got, I got an afternoon. I can read this book. So, um, we're going to kind of look at the various aspects of each one, because it turns out both of them break their their core ideas down into seven parts. Yes, mine are the, uh, for the richest man in Babylon, it is the seven cures for a lean purse, and yours is... The seven baby steps. Yes. Um, So, uh, Ramsey just basically explains that uh, he wanted it to be in step form because he wished he had had that when he screwed up his money early on in his career. And the richest man in Babylon is kind of a parable type of situation in which uh, they pretend that there are a... It's written kind of more like a narrative, and uh, the richest man, the king of Babylon, is like, I wanted all my people to be wealthy and successful. I'm going to contact the richest man in Babylon and get his advice. And he's like, all right, bring me your people, and I'll give you the advice. And he kind of just writes his, he he explains his advice to people that are at a meeting in Babylon. So... Thousands of years ago. (laughs) Except not really. Not really. It was written in the 1940s. But uh, that's the the setup here. So we're going to go through each of the seven, um, starting with, uh, what do yours are called? Rules? Uh, Yes. Cures. Cures. So you're starting with cure one, and I'm starting with baby step one. Um, so go ahead and tell us what is what is cure one for a lean wallet. In other so words, a, purse, a thin, lean a, purse, lean purse. So a, a, lean purse. a thin purse. Yes. Uh, so the first cure is to start to start thy purse to fatten. So you need to fatten thy purse, and the simple rule is ten percent of all of you earn is yours to keep. So everything that you get, you are, ever earn, uh, figure out what ten percent of it is. So if you get twenty bucks. Put two aside. That two is yours to keep. That eighteen is yours to do whatever you do with. But the, that two dollars that you got, that ten percent, is yours for your war chest. So basically, save it. Save what it. Saying. Yes. Save ten percent of everything. Save ten percent of everything you earn. Okay. Um, so Dave Ramsey actually starts off kind of similar, in that he says baby step one is save a thousand dollars. That's it. Save a thousand dollars. That is that is the entirety of step one. And the reasoning there is because kind of the focus of Dave Ramsey, as we'll see, is make sure you get out and stay out of debt. That's his number one focus is get out of debt, stay out of debt. That's the, he calls it the shortest path to wealth is getting out of debt and staying out of debt. So he says, save $1,000 so that, like you said, it's a war chest. You can have it sitting there if you need it. And he, and Ramsey even goes a little bit further by basically saying that $1,000 is an emergency fund. Like, do yeah, not touch that exactly. unless it is absolutely an emergency. The fridge, the, your refrigerator blows up, you're, you get in a car wreck, yes. that type of situation. That's when you touch that $1,000. But if it's not anything like that, don't so the reason it. I didn't get into that yet is because later there's a further step that is the true emergency fund. This is just the practice that's, one. That's a different emergency fund. Yeah, so that's a completely different theory behind the, that emergency fund. Well, not not actually. Well, a little bit. So this one, the step. We'll one, talk about that once yeah, we get there. Step one is a thousand dollar fund <laughs> to basically prove to yourself you can save and get the ball rolling on the process. All right, let's move on to step two. Uh, cure number two is to control thy expenditures, which is essentially create a budget. 
Yeah. And here's the interesting thing about his budget is that he uh, the in the richest man in Babylon is like your but like of course you need to budget your necessities, mm-hmm. but after you budget your necessities, uh, if you want to be frivolous with some with a little bit of extra money, mm-hmm. if as long as it doesn't dip into that initial ten percent, and as long as you don't dip into your ten percent that you keep building month after month, week after week, mm-hmm. you could do whatever you want with it. Yeah. Um, so budget your control uh, and it, anything outside of your budget that isn't into the 10%, you're free to kind of go crazy with. So I guess I should have thrown in there with Dave Ramsey's first baby step is you're supposed to create a budget and save 1000 I didn't say that, but that was that's kind of a, a thing that he references back to is to begin his process. Step one is create a budget, save $1,000. Um, and he says you have to have the budget to actually be able Get to save to the $1,000. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so his baby step number two is to get out of debt everything except for your house. So he says that you don't when you count debt, you don't count your mortgage as debt. You count that as a, a monthly expense. Um, but get out of debt with what he calls the debt snowball. Which actually flies in counterintuitive with what most financial advisors will try to tell yes, you to do, surprisingly. It is. So most financial advisors will tell you pay off the biggest one. Um, because it's accruing interest, it's not the biggest one, the one that has the highest interest, interest rate. rate. Yeah, highest interest rate. So because it's accruing debt the fastest, what Ramsey says is that you line all of your debts up from the smallest debt to the largest debt. If you owe somebody twenty bucks, that's the first debt you pay off. If you owe somebody, you know, five hundred dollars, then another thousand, somebody two thousand, you pay them in that order from smallest to largest. And his methodology behind that is basically the snowball effect. That if you pay off the smaller debt. That is a little monthly payment you're no longer making that you can then pay towards the second biggest. When you pay that off, then you have two revenue streams that you keep budgeted for paying off debt, keep paying that same monthly payment, but pay it towards the next thing in line, and it will snowball to the point where you get to the end and you're able to pay the last debt off way more quickly than you expect. And you uh, and you get the added psychological benefit of you see small progress. Small victories, the yes. Small victories along the road that get you to that particular overall uh, goal. And it's interesting that he also says don't worry about the mortgage, which traditionally most the most people's largest debt that they'll have anyway is, is the their mortgage. mortgage. So yeah. that would be the last thing on there. Yes, list. and so the, the other thing with that, like, you know, the the small victories thing is he actually talks about the fact that most people are quote Dave-ish until about like halfway through the rungs of paying off debt and then they realize it's working and then they go all in and do the full budget and do everything else. So that's step two, get out of debt using the debt snowball except for the house. He says you can save that for later in the process. All right. Moving on to uh, cure number three for the richest man in Babylon, which is make thy gold multiply. And basically for this one is invest. So that 10% you've been holding back, that war chest that you've been building, this is now where you're allowed to actually tap into that war chest and you are allowed to actually use some of it and you can use it to invest. And there's two types of investments that you can do uh, that you can work with. Uh, the first one, uh, the key one is just uh, investment in general, mm-hmm. uh, but you could also invest into property or you can invest in anything that will help you get more gold. So anything that helps you get more money, anything that helps your war chest grow, allow it to begin to grow. Yeah. So the the biggest fundamental difference you're starting to see here that I, I'm noticing is that the richest man in Babylon has not yet mentioned the word debt. The richest man in Babylon. So yes, he. The richest man in Babylon has nothing to do with debt. Yeah, it doesn't, so, doesn't mention it at all. Whereas Dave Ramsey is entirely centered around eliminating debt, um, and so that's where we get to step three for Dave Ramsey, 
and that is build a fully funded emergency fund. So here's the difference between step one and step three. This one is supposed to be three to six months. So if you get laid off, if something happens with your job, then that emergency fund is able to support you for three to six months. But during the meantime, if you're not laid off, if you're still at your job, then then you treat those three to six months that's piled up just like you treated that thousand dollars. You yes. only dip into it if there's a you know a nuclear bomb that goes off in your house. Yes, that was the, that was the key difference between the thousand and the step three. If remembering uh, in Dave in my interacting with Dave Ramsey, it was that uh, the step three is if you get fired, you should be able to survive for three to six yeah, months. Yeah, because that's approximately finding how long a new it would job. Take, yeah, to find a new job, and once again, that prevents you from going back in debt. And that's kind of what goes back to that thousand dollars. I I did say the thousand dollars was for like you know like proving you could do it, but really it's also as you start the debt snowball, it's there in case there's an emergency that would cause another debt. You can knock it out without going back into debt. Um, so yeah, fully funded emergency fund. We don't get to the investing or excuse me multiplying your gold until uh, here in a second. So. That's step three. What you got is your your next rule here. So the next rule is to guard thy treasure from loss. So avoiding get rich quits quick scheme. So in the particular book, it basically talks about how the richest man in Babylon when he was a young man had built up his gold a little bit and used it to try to multiply it with this guy that he said that he could buy like really good gems and it turns out that the gems were fake. And so he said, before you actually do that, my second investment, I talked to this guy who's like, yeah, I want to make these really nice shields and I just need this certain type of metal for it. And then I, if you get me the metal, I'll get you the, I'll give you a profit from the shields. And then he was able to actually multiply multiply his gold. So don't uh, buy into get rich quick streams. Do some research before you actually start to uh, make your uh, gold multiply. That's basically what he's trying to do is just don't just blindly try to multiply your money. Yeah. Research it before the, you try. The classic athlete's conundrum where you, you get rich instantly and then go broke in a year because all of your friends said, hey, I know how I can make you more money. <laughs> um, the so the, the next step for the Ramsey uh, baby steps, step baby step four, is actually your third rule, basically. It's invest 15% for retirement. Now It's a combination of rule one and rule three, but with yeah. a little bit more. So it, the, the key thing here is this is 15% of your income going into, in, in Ramsey's plan, it would be probably a Roth IRA unless your, your business, the place you work for already has a retirement plan, although he doesn't like pensions. Um, that's a whole other side note, but does not like pensions, doesn't count that as part of your 15%. Um, but invest 15% for retirement. So this is something you do not touch. This is not an emergency fund. You do not dip into you this. You can't even touch it until you are 59 and a half? Yeah, it's... Or is I it thought 60. it was 60. I think it's 60 something. I think it's, it's like 59 because I know the half is like the weird... Like they have that weird half. Yeah. So it's some it's sometime in your... You can start, I think, at 60... But then you're required after like 65, you have to start pulling out of a Roth IRA. Like you're required. To I thought that money. was a traditional IRA. You I had think it's this. both IRAs. Okay. That you, you're required after a certain age to start pulling money out of them because otherwise they remain tax-free. <laughs> and so the government's like, no, I want yeah. some of that. Well, that's the key to like a Roth, why you need what is specifically called a Roth IRA is yes. because any growth that you see in that account that is designated Roth is tax-free. Yeah, so... Right now, I have some investments, and I started investing before I ever investigated any of this. And so I've, I've, you know, let's say that I've made ten percent. Well, when I pull that money out, I'm taxed fifteen percent on that ten percent. 
that I have to then turn around and give to the government again, even though I was taxed on the income. With a Roth IRA, you don't have to do that. You're only taxed when you initially earn the money, not on the growth in a Roth, um, as long as you pull it out after you're 60. So you can look at the number, 59 and a half, yeah. whatever it is. If, if you're interested in seeing me, Mr. Norman's portfolios, I guess if, you, yeah. if this, this shoots off, like we can do an episode where we like show, here's our stock our yeah, here's, here's what we're, I won't <laughs> show you numbers. Yeah, but I'm I can not going to show you how much money I have in there, but yeah. I'll show you like the percentages of yeah, like, what, what I what invested in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the next one, is 15% specifically for retirement. Now, there are other investments that come later. This one is specifically the retirement investment begins it must be 15%, and that is before it goes to any of the fun stuff like you were talking about. Got to put 15 into retirement. All right. Um, we're now on to, what is this, rule five? Five, or Five yes. or, yeah, cure five for mine. Cure five uh, for you. Sorry, I keep calling it rules. Cure yeah. five for you, baby step five for me. So cure five for me is, for the from the richest man in uh, Babylon is make thy dwelling a profitable one. So basically, where are, not necessarily that your dwell, or yeah, because your house does have equity in it, and so you can like earn money in your house by Mm -hmm. buying, or by uh, updating stuff and uh, putting more stuff into it. Uh, But basically, his thought process is you spend most of your time at work or you spend it at home. So if you do not like where you live, so you, you might as well put money into where you live to make it a place that you enjoy going home to. And so he even says, like, even like that 10%, that war chest that you've been building, it's perfectly okay to dip in and grab that 10% as long as it's going towards making your dwelling a profitable one. So you're allowed to actually dip into the 15% if it's going towards so that's, the dwelling. So that's the first part where there's a clear like disagreement yes. yeah, between the two, is that Ramsey would say never dip into it. And he says it's okay as long as it's for the house. As long as it's for your house. As long as it's for your dwelling. Because at the end, because if, and which Ramsey will even point, uh, which Ramsey's is coming up here soon. Yeah. Uh, for that, but uh, once you have a house, as long as you can pay the taxes and insurance on it, mm-hmm. and once you have it paid off, they can't take the house yeah, from you exactly. anymore. So uh, that's part of the reason why they say put it in there. And plus, our property usually grows over, uh, increases yeah, over time. Right now it's. Yeah. yeah, right now it's like skyrocketing, but which is uh, probably going to come back down. But. Yes, but. It's always it's never a bad thing to put money into your house, especially since you live there. You might as well make it a place that you are, are happy to come home to, make it a nice place. And so, yes, you are allowed to dip into your fifteen percent as long as it's going, or not your fifteen percent, your ten percent, as long as it's, you're either investing it or if you're using it to make your dwelling a profitable. Mm-hmm. So, something I'm noticing before I talk about the the baby step five is that another clear difference is while both of these have seven. Dave Ramsey's is linear. Yours is simultaneous for the most part. Uh, for uh, kind of like step one and step two kind of go hand in hand, but mm-hmm. a- after step one and step two, and they kind of start to like all together. happen at the yes. same time. Yeah, um, and that that is something uh, four, five, and six, according to Ramsey, can happen at the same time uh, as long as you have high enough income. You have the, uh, yeah, the income to do the it. But, to do it. Um, which brings us to five here for the baby steps after you're investing 15% in retirement and without changing that fact, you then begin to save for children's college. And, and if, you ha- if you have children. Yes. If, if you, you don't have children, children, you can skip this one. Yes. <laughs> if you don't have children, you can skip it. Um, or if you're somebody who thinks you want to have children in the future, uh, then you can save, but just not as intensely as you would if you actually had children. Um, And he does not actually specify the way to save. He said you can put it in a a savings account. You can put it into a 529 plan. You can put it into uh, a stewardship 
I forgot what it's called, but there's a name for it. Yeah. Um, and so all these different ways you can do it, but start saving so that when your kids get to be old enough to go to college, um, that you can pay for that. Which you can't put it into a 529 unless you actually have yes, children. Yes, you, 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 you have to have a... You have to have a social security number. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I've just started playing with that a little bit, uh, and it's... It's way more like it's super easy to explain and it way more difficult to do. Yes. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give Missouri this the most system. The most system isn't necessarily the super easiest to navigate, but once you like work your way through it, it becomes a lot easier to kind of yeah. understand it. So yeah, I'm, I mean, our we're doing ours through Fidelity, and I think actually I'm not doing the Missouri plan. I'm doing like some other state's plan because it had more options to pick from. The main reason why I just, one, I knew that every state has it. Two, Mm -hmm. the main, like I want to save for my child's uh, education, of course, but I was also like, I'm getting tired of paying state taxes whenever I'm not paying federal taxes. Mm -hmm. So I need, because I'm getting a federal refund, but I've always had to pay in with the state. What's a way that I can cut down on how much I had to give the state of Missouri? And the 529 plan counts exclusively against your state income. So. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Well, there for and that. So that's the reason why I was like, let's I want I want to not have to pay Missouri money. What's the way I work for around baby number money? 2. I'll yes. look at that one. Um so yeah, so now we we've gone uh through saving for retirement, now saving for kids college doesn't give an exact percentage. He says basically you can look at what kind of schools you're thinking about sending them to and all that stuff and do the calculations on your own for that. So what is uh number 6? What is your uh, cure. cure number six. Cure number six is to ensure future income. So this is basically retirement. So okay. uh, figure out ways that you will have income once you retire. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that is very much the investing 15% yep. for the sake of retirement. Um, and and you, are, you are allowed to use your 10%, your war chest that you've been building all of your life, theoretically, at this point uh, to tip in and use that for yeah. insuring for retirement. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the rich the the Babylon plan is doing a lot with ten percent. I think that's a little bit of a difference. Well, and there, there I, I at the very end of this, I kind of figured out what the big difference between the two is, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that once we're done. Yeah. So, uh, the the baby step six is to pay off your home early. So he says never do a plan of more than fifteen years on your home. I'm Davish, so. Mine's not 15 years, but, um, but hey, I'm I'm a 30 myself, but I also qualified for like the USDA, like a special USDA loan for rural development first time. Oh, like, and they were like, you have to, the only option you have is 30 yeah. years. So Mine, mine's weird. It's it's 17 <laughs> because it's with my grandfather. <laughs> uh, so uh, he uh, yeah, there's a whole. He's, he's, he's a, like, all right, I, I, I can't give you 15, but I'll give you 17. He, he's a financial guru. Um, and so he was doing all these calculations back of the envelope and stuff. And was, it was, yeah, it, it's a whole other conversation. He's, he's far better than, with money and math in general than I am. Uh, and so he did all kinds of calculations that we can get into. But um, so, yeah, it's a. But even with, like that said, like with my 30 year loan, I'm paying more than just the initial uh, yes. and payment. And I'm adding more to principal to speed up that process. Fun fact <laughs> for any of you as you go forward uh, and you're buying a house, um, you can pay off early. Like, if you, like, make sure that you are. On, on any loan that you have, yes. you can pay off. Any early. loan, that's right. Yeah. Car, anything. Just make sure that you are. It throwing all the money you can at it, especially if you're going, you know, the Dave Ramsey route. Throw all the money you can at debt because 
then there's less interest. You pay off the principal sooner, there's less time to accrue interest. Um, but anyway, so that's why. He says pay off your home early. And along with that, it's kind of the, you know, the profitable dwelling thing. He talks about like upgrading it, making it more valuable so that you could, if you wanted, flip it for a better home in the future. Which, um, that's actually the, the difference there between the profitable dwelling one for the richest man was like, uh, Dave's like, if you want to make more money, yeah, put more money into it. Yeah. He's just saying, you live there, you might as well enjoy living there, so yeah. put money to make it something that you like living yeah, in. Yeah, so that's a, a philosophical difference here is that I haven't really mentioned is he calls, there, there's a few taglines if you've ever heard Dave things that he'll say throughout this process, especially um, on step two, the getting out of debt. He says, be gazelle intense. <laughs> um, he loves saying that. So in other words, you have to think about this as if you are being pursued by a cheetah and you are a gazelle. You have to, all of your effort, all of your focus has to go into this. If you divert one side or the other, the cheetah will get you. And in his mind, the cheetah is dead. Um, and then he also says over and over, if you ever listen to his radio program, beans and rice, rice and beans, beans and rice, rice and beans. Doesn't care if you live in a crappy house. Doesn't matter if you drive a crappy car. Quote, live like no one else so that someday you can live like, like no, no one else. else yeah. Meaning live under far crappier circumstances than the people around you so that someday you can live in far better circumstances. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that's a, a philosophical difference. He's like, nah, bite the bullet. It doesn't matter if your house is crappy. Live in it, pay it off, and deal with it until you're done with the steps. And we'll get to step seven here in a second. But Which is the last one we're at. Yeah, so what is uh, step seven? Cure seven is increase the ability to earn. So invest in yourself. Like uh, if there's a, like if you can go to, if you need to go to college to get more education to increase how much you will pay, invest that into yourself. Take your 10%, invest into yourself how to be able to do that. Find ways to make yourself more profitable. Mm -hmm. That's, that actually mirrors something that isn't part of the baby steps, but that Ramsey will often repeat, and that is the, the number one best investment for a young person is themselves. Mm -hmm. And so his, his, what he's saying there is go to college. Like, find a career, go to college, or a trade school. Um, we, just to be clear, any time that we've said college, trade school counts when yeah. you're going and, and getting a trade degree. Um, but uh, it's very similar to that, and it's true. Like... As, as people, people who with, people who like we're not just trying to do this because we are academics like yeah. uh, st statistically speaking the a person with a post-secondary degree has greater earning potential throughout their lifetime than someone with just a high school diploma yes and uh, as people who both have master's degrees now like in education and just about anywhere else that also means even in your current position it will increase your pay um, so just something to be thinking about, which brings us to step seven, actually, for the baby steps, which is build wealth, and he says, basically, live and give like no one else. So Dave Ramsey is very much motivated. All of this, he bases, uh, he says, off of biblical principles, and he can quote the verses. He, his favorite is the borrower, is the slave to the lender. Um, but essentially, he says that you should be giving as much as you're spending on yourself at any point in time. So if you buy yourself the you know, fancy new Lambo because Lambo, now you're a rich guy, that you should be willing to give that exact amount at the same time to a cause that needs it or to a person that needs it. Um, so his last step then is just continue to make, mo make your money make more money and then freely give that money to people who genuinely need it while also enjoying it. Um, so now that we've worked our way through all of this, I figured out what the key difference is. Well, which the first main key difference is 
The Richest Man of Babylon was written in the 1920s. So we didn't really have gotten into the debt issues that we see today. Well, they Back, did. They just they didn't did, know. But it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't as on the face. And the other thing that I re- kind of realized is that The Richest Man of Babylon is more geared towards people who are starting out. So you have not necessarily gotten to debt. The Richest Man of Babylon is probably more of a beneficial thing for a high schooler to hear and interact with because yeah. for the most part, these seniors that are graduating, they're not in a whole lot of debt yet. So these are mm-hmm. steps that they can take to really help them build their wealth before they get swallowed by a debt monster. Mm-hmm. And that that's very definitely the – you can tell that it's written in an era where people are going straight into work. For the most part, like where you're you're writing this to a young person who is going into a career path, um, whereas Dave Ramsey, for the most part, is talking to people like you said who have and he he tells his own life story of thinking he was a multimillionaire because he leveraged a whole bunch of debt to buy a bunch of property and then went bankrupt and he was like, I never actually had all that money. I just leveraged a whole bunch of debt. Like this is this wasn't real, and so that's why his is now a vendetta against debt because. He was on paper a multimillionaire living the high life, and in reality, it was all other people's money. It was never his. And uh, so he's kind of addressing a lot of the current issues with especially people who are uh, at or near the poverty line in America due to debt, which is our biggest one of our biggest issues right now. Um, and uh, I think the other principle there is just being in a slightly, it's a different system from the 20s. Uh, is it, yours is more proverbial, whereas his is more prescriptive, like of an exact, a step Exactly step. what yeah. you need to do. But with that said, like the, advi- like the advice that uh, the richest man in Babylon gives is advice that if you did not have the debt monster that has swallowed you, should help you out pretty well with develop, with building wealth and being able to uh, continue to like once get, eventually get to Dave's seventh step of being generous. Yes, and I was going to say, actually, like, if you look at these things side by side, if you if you parse them out, all you have to do is rearrange them. And you're almost and with, hitting the same yes, thing. with very, very minor things, like, for instance, when you can dip into the, the war chest, it's almost the same thing, uh, just speaking to people in different areas. Um, but, all, like... I don't think that there's anything that Ramsey says that the richest man in Babylon wouldn't inherently agree with. And I don't think there's anything the richest man in Babylon says that Dave Ramsey wouldn't say is sound financial advice except for, for the, the dipping ha- into the war chest. The dipping in the war chest for your house. Yeah, and I, I think that's it. Um, so the the overall thing here is think about your money. Yeah, and there and if you enjoyed this, uh, there's a, a number of other things out there that you can interact with that talk about uh, financial advice and uh, being able to be financially fit. Uh, some books that uh, talk about it. A book that your brother recommended. Yes, was Rich Dad Poor Dad uh, by Robert Robert uh, Kalasaki. So the the uh, I've never actually read the book, but the book is one that I've ran across a ton of times. I know that my dad and my brother both very much a enjoy it. A lot of financial YouTubers and booktubers like to talk about that particular book. Um, and it, it I, I believe, actually genuinely does a comparison. Here's what people who are poor do, and here's what people who are here's rich do. Here's what my dad, the poor dad, did, and here's what a friend's of mine dad who took me under his wing, the rich dad, here's what he did. Yeah, and here's how they ended up in those two spots. Yeah. 
And then another one would be The Millionaire Next Door by Stanley and uh, Danko, which I do believe uh, Ramsey has quoted a couple times. Okay. Uh, these are two academics that kind of researched a bunch of millionaires, and the millionaires aren't always just athletes. Most millionaires oh, are yes. retired teachers or, reti- or retirees. Yes, he and- talks about that a lot. Um, and they did their own study building off of that then where they went through and interviewed these millionaires. But basically, yeah, the, the core idea – that Ramsey does reference a lot is you're led to believe through the media that most millionaires are millionaires because they had rich family members. Like they're, they're old money, not new or money. Or they're lucky. Or they're lucky. Yeah. They, they were an athlete with a freak talent or they hit the lottery or did whatever. Um, but in reality, it's something like 75 plus percent of millionaires in the United States came from family who were not millionaires. Um, so and then the last, and the last two uh, is uh, investment advice from my perspective, which is very conservative investment advice, which isn't necessarily going to uh, be too dangerous. And me and Mr. Norman kind of differ on this, but I would recommend <laughs> uh, the Boggleheads Guide to Investing, which talks focuses more on index funds, and then just the books of Jack Boggle himself, the man who came up with the idea of Boggleism. Yeah, <laughs> it's just fun to say. Um, yeah, I uh, we are different as far as what to do with the long-term investing. I'm more of a mutual funds, and I like looking at the past 10 to 20 years track record of a mutual fund and I'm just like, shooting bet on the, the stars. I'm like, bet on the market because most people don't beat the market. Yeah, and honestly, Ramsey tends to agree more with you than with me as far as how to invest. <laughs> um, so I'm a Ramsey-ish person. But I would also recommend several of the, the, as you call it, the cult of personality, the books that have come from the Ramsey publishers um there's uh there's just a whole bunch chris hogan yeah chris hogan um his daughter has one but specifically there's uh man i should know his name but there's a guy that specializes in getting a job basically um and my brain is blanking on his name but if you look up dave ramsey uh and then look up how to get a job his name is going to come up and he has all kinds of materials on like how to best write a resume how to pitch yourself to something the proximity principle is the name of the book I and I can't person. remember that. But look up the proximity <laughs> principle. And that, and that will get you to the book that you need to get yeah, to. Yeah. So. All right. But uh, that is all we have for this battle between Dave Ramsey and the richest man in Babylon. If you had any questions or have any comments, please leave them below in yeah, the comments section. Yeah, or have more section. financial type things. This is one of those things that you always see the meme, they never taught me this in high school. Um, but we do. You just we didn't do. pay attention. Yeah, you didn't and now pay attention. And now we're literally recording a podcast to teach For you For you. So if you have more of those things, though, especially like financially or stuff like that that you wanted to talk about, throw it in the comments. Yep. Uh, or right. the suggestion box. Or the suggestion box. But until next time, my name is Ben Paul Davidson. My name is and Lord Willing Willoughby Scott Norman. And we've been two dumb woke guys. This was a TDWG presentation. Mm.